This program is brought to you by Bible Media, overseen by the elders of the Chipman Road Church of Christ in Lee Summit, Missouri. Hello, ladies. As I was glancing through some material the other day, I noticed an expression, and it said, He was raising Cain. And I thought, you know, that's really kind of a strange expression, at least it is to me. Raising Cain. So I thought, where did that come from? Because I'm just a little bit that way. I need to know those things. And so I got to looking, and in the research I did, it said that the phrase, raising Cain, obviously we know has something to do with the biblical meaning, but how it came about to be used in sentences today in such a different way, I was concerned about. So I guess the phrase, raising Cain, the verb raising, conjuring or summoning something like a spirit, a demon, or a ghost. And the usage of the verb in this sense has been around since the Middle Ages. So, thus, raising Cain means literally conjuring up the murderous spirit of Cain. So, it's somewhat of a derogatory term. And the idea that the risen spirit of Cain would be a destructive force capable of making serious trouble, like acting wildly or violently or causing significant disturbance. This became really well known around the 1800s, 1820, something like that. So all who defined this phrase stated that it was based on the biblical account, obviously, that we read about in Genesis, where we see the sacrifices that both Cain and Abel, the two sons of Adam and Eve, brought as an offering to the Lord. Let's just take a quick look at this account we read in Genesis 4, 1 through 16. The Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, or angry. And his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the soil, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Did you catch that last verse? 
Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Those are some sad words, ladies. And there's so much we can glean from these verses. I know that was a lengthy reading, but books have been written on just this subject. And there are a few lessons that literally shout out to us today that we better not ignore. And as I say these things, I want you to know that I've reared up four children with my husband, and we certainly were not perfect parents, and we certainly didn't raise perfect children, and I, my opinion is there is no such thing unless they're made perfect by the blood of Christ because of repentance and obedience to the gospel. So let's look at the first thing. No matter whether we're raising boys or girls, there's going to be characteristics and personalities that each of our children have, and we need to be very aware of them and consistently make efforts to teach, guide, emulate behaviors that are acceptable to God's Word as well as others with whom we come in contact with. While we all know and understand the difficulty of parenting and that we may not always change behaviors that are contrary to the will of God, we cannot afford to be lenient or permissive of acts that are unacceptable with His Word. And we have to be diligent about it. There is nothing that relieves us of that God-given responsibility to train up our child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Those commands are replete throughout the entire Bible from the New Testament in Deuteronomy 6 all the way through backwards. And we can't stop such teaching no matter how old they might be. Even as grown adults, we can still teach and influence. And we can't stop being the appropriate God-fearing example for our children, and not just our children, but all children and adults as well. God forbid that we be the type of parent who would say verbally, or about physical acts in the sense, do as I say, not as I do. That is a bad attitude. So, Because we will stand before God and have to answer for that one day. Secondly, make sure that we spend much time in prayer and study with our children. And if you have no children, prepare to do that now, in case you never know. If you're single, be that example, that teacher who the little ones love and want to be like one day. I don't mean by giving candy and gifts. I'm talking about taking an interest in them, calling them by their names, spending some quality moments speaking with them at any opportunity you might have. Children look to others, from teens to those who are elderly. In every walk of life, we need to be influencing them with positive reinforcement of godly behavior. They certainly see the opposite out in the world, don't they? If you see them doing something wrong or bad, Gently try to moderate or let the parents know. I mean, parents need to help with the cultivation of good characteristics with their children. And I'd like to think that every concerned Christian parent would be thankful for pointing that out or assisting their child. We are the village, the godly Christians working together to bring out the best in our kiddos. Thirdly, in your studies with your children, make sure they understand the lessons whether given in Bible class or in the home. Most kids aren't going to ask questions in class as they grow older. It's always good to ask what they studied in Bible class and maybe discuss those lessons with them at home. A 45-minute Bible class twice a week cannot solidly implant strong principles in teaching if it isn't followed up with home discussions, studies, and things like that. Ladies, these are just a few things I've learned through the years. First of all, a perfect parent, a perfect child. First of all, that's just not the goal. 
A God-fearing child is the result we should want as parents. Just as our Heavenly Father is seeking such from us, we aren't perfect, why would we have a perfect expectation from our children? Unless we think this old world is more wicked than ever, I will share a quote from Alexander Campbell that he made to his wife Selina back in 1861 in a letter. My dearest Selina, I am fearful that we are raising up more Cains than we are Abel's today. Did you catch that date? 1861? We're looking at over 200 years ago. And you know how we say the world's worse now than it ever was? Check back there on Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament and some of these other places. Sin has always been with it. Horrific sin has always been with us and always will be. It's our responsibility to teach above that and show what a better life that our children can have and so can we. Sin has never been confined to one decade, one century, one era. Sin will always be there with all of us. And when I say all of us, I don't mean just parents. We need to make sure that we're on task with our teaching of our young people, though. The church needs strong members, and it begins in the home. I'll leave you all with these encouraging words from the one who will judge us all. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Hebrews 11.4 I thank you for listening. We thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.